This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Lot to talk about. The national championship game is set. The Heisman Trophy was just announced this evening. Week 17 of the NFL season is in the books. I'm going to break down my thoughts on the semifinal playoff games, a preview of the national championship, some quarterback discussion, some Heisman discussion, and some thoughts on the end of the NFL regular season in terms of a rookie perspective. Let's start right at the top since literally it just happened uh, a few hours ago. The Heisman Trophy winner for this year is Devonta Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. He was first place, Trevor Lawrence second, Mac Jones third, Kyle Trask fourth, Najee Harris fifth. Got to be honest with you. I think the I think the committee got it right. I think it was time for a non-quarterback to win the award. Devonta Smith's season was a special, special type of season. And listen, there's a lot of people, I think myself included, that questioned him going back to college, right? You know, he was probably a first-round pick last year. If you're a first-round pick, why are you risking going back to school? Well, now he put together this monster statistical season. He wins the Heisman Trophy. He's going to get a chance to play for the national championship next week. And he's elevated his draft stock to probably be a top 10 pick. While last year, he probably would have been in the 20 to 32 range. So sometimes it doesn't work out going back to school. Devonta Smith clearly has improved his stock, has improved his legacy, and so many other things that just happened to come with the season that he just completed I'm proud that he won the award every single week. It didn't matter. Jalen Waddle got injured. People wondered whether or not that was going to, you know, put more defensive attention on Devonta Smith. Didn't matter. You know, Devonta Smith is a special player. And I'm here to say, if you hear people talking about his weight, if you hear people talking about his BMI, I don't care. Ignore it. Don't listen to it. I don't care what statistics say on this. I don't care what the metrics say. I don't care about correlation. Causation is different than correlation. So don't judge everybody who's been 170 pounds or however, whatever his weight is. And he's probably going to check in at the combine at 180. So like, it's not even going to look as maybe egregious as it might right now. He's a player. He's a player. He deserves to be a top 10 pick. I think he's going to be an impactful player at the next level. His route running. His, his hands, his body control, his nuances in terms of his route concepts. He's got better speed than people give him credit for. He gets in and out of breaks really quickly. His footwork, his movement skills. For a guy who is his size, his ability to go up and, and make plays at the catch point. He's a special player. If a team takes him over Jamar Chase, I don't think it's that crazy. I really don't. So... I do believe that anything you hear about him in the nitpicks and the naysayers, and I don't care if he goes to the combine and runs a four five, 
I sat here on Saturday, Sunday, screaming from the hilltop, not to worry about Calvin Ridley's testing when everybody basically in the industry wanted to drop him behind DJ Moore because of a few testing. I love the combine as much as anybody, but you got to put it into perspective. Watch the film. Watch what Calvin Ridley was. Look at Calvin Ridley now. Ask Carolina Panthers if they'd rather have Calvin Ridley or DJ Moore right now. The answer is Calvin Ridley. And that's and, and that's not to say knock anything away from DJ Moore. He's a very good player. I always liked DJ Moore. I thought he was going to be a good player. But I think 32 out of 32 teams in the NFL right now pick Calvin Ridley over DJ Moore. I think he's a more complete player. I think he could win in more uh, a more variety of ways. I think he can get vertical better than DJ Moore. I think his route running is better than DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a very good player. Calvin Ridley could be a great player. All we heard about was Julio Jones, Julio Jones, bad landing spot. Night of the draft, I came on my own podcast, I went on other podcasts and said, great landing spot. Stop worrying about who else is there. There's plenty of footballs to go around for two people. We started this year with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. If anything, it allowed Calvin Ridley to develop into the player he is now by not being the center of defensive attention for his first couple years. Calvin Ridley, special player, didn't care about the combine measurements. Devonta Smith, don't care what the 40 time shows at the combine. Whether it's 4-5, whether it's 4-5-2, whether it's 4-4-5. I bet it's better than people even think it is. He's not Jalen Waddell, but he's better than I think people give him credit for in terms of his speed. His play speed is unbelievable. Combine that with his route running, route deception, hands, everything. Going to go top 10. Deserves to go top 10. Should be a top six pick in most of your rookie drafts, depending on if it's super flex or not. So it's nice to see him win the award. He deserves it. It's the right choice. And fade the noise if people start talking about things like his size and his BMI. You want to mention it? Sure. It's something that should be mentioned. But there's outliers all the time. I'm betting on Devonta Smith being an outlier in terms of his size. And like I said, he's going to put on some weight. He's going to put on some muscle. It's not going to change his game. He doesn't have blistering speed that he can't put on 5, 10 pounds of muscle. He's no dummy. His agent is no dummy. He'll, he'll, when he measures at the combine, I bet he's 180, 181. Maybe he drops it before he plays a game in the NFL. I don't know. Don't care. Don't care about his BMI. Don't care about his weight. I care that he's a special player. It's very little he doesn't do good to great on a football field as a wide receiver. So it's nice to have his year represented and and notarized enough as the Heisman Trophy winner and probably the national champion by the time I talk to you next week. Moving on, talking about going into the semifinal games. Alabama did exactly what Matt and I thought they were going to do, beating Notre Dame 31-14. I don't even think it was as close as as the score represents. You know, Notre Dame just can't hang with these teams. We've seen it time after time. Yeah, they beat Clemson earlier in the year without Trevor Lawrence. Clemson got its revenge in the ACC title game. They probably, Matt and I said it last week, I don't think they should have been in the game. I think Texas A&M was more deserving, okay? 
You know, I'm a Notre Dame fan. It was nice to have them there, but they didn't deserve that spot. They're not as good as these teams. It's it's that simple. And in this game, on the Notre Dame side, they couldn't get much going. Kyron Williams, the, the really good underclassman running back, 64 yards and a touchdown. Ian Book couldn't score, had one rushing touchdown. I've talked about Ian Book. I think Colt McCoy, I think a career backup, maybe a sixth, seventh round pick, work his way into being a backup down the line, probably start out as a third string quarterback. The most the guy I'm most excited about on the entire Notre Dame offense, talked about him a couple of weeks ago, is Michael Mayer, the underclassman tight end. Notre Dame has produced a lot of good tight end prospects over the years. Michael Mayer is going to be the next one. A couple of years from now, we're going to be hearing about him represented very, and in terms of how people look at him, he's going to be a highly regarded NFL tight end prospect in a couple of years. So remember the name, maybe try to stash him on your Debbie teams. On the Alabama side, the aforementioned Devonta Smith, just another ho-hum day at the office, seven catches, 130 yards, and three touchdowns. Doing what he does, Najee Harris, doing what he does, 125 yards rushing, 30 yards receiving, two of the best offensive players in college football. Mac Jones, 25 of 30, 297 yards and four touchdowns. The numbers continue to look gaudy. Great, great college player. I've already made my concerns known. I think he's a good prospect. I don't think he's a first-round prospect. I think he's a day-two guy. His style of play, going by the wayside in the NFL. It's going by the wayside. I mean, just look at who was the quarterbacks of the Rams and the Cardinals this week. It's not by accident. They want guys who have some mobility to their game, even backup quarterbacks. The traditional pocket passing statue quarterbacks, they are few and far between in the NFL. So Mac Jones, great college player. There'll be a team or two that's intrigued by him. I don't think he should go round one. I don't think he's what the NFL is looking for. Offensive line play continues to deteriorate. Need a quarterback who can move. Need a quarterback who can make plays on the run. Doesn't have to be his big running quarterback, but you got to move around the pocket. You got to be able to throw from off structure. Mac Jones has had so much structure standing there waiting for his elite receivers to get open. I think he's a solid prospect. I've already said that I think he reminds me of Mason Rudolph when Mason Rudolph was coming out of Oklahoma State. Don't think about Mason Rudolph now as the 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 bad NFL quarterback. Try to recall Mason Rudolph when he was coming out of Oklahoma State. There are people that liked him. There are some people that were saying close to the draft that he had some late round one buzz. Never really bought it, but it was out there. I think he went in round three. I think Mac Jones should go in round two or round three. We'll see if the round one buzz is real. All it takes is one team. Maybe a team picking near the end of round one or a team trading back in likes them enough to invest the first round pick, get that 50-year option. We'll see. I think it would be a mistake. Great college player. Mac Jones is going to end his collegiate career, most likely winning a national title. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Take us to the other game. I mean, what is there to say? Matt and I came on last week. We both thought Clemson was going to roll. Ohio State had some shaky games down the stretch. Clemson had been rolling. This was a surprise. There's no way around it. 
Justin Fields flat out dominated the game. It was one of the elite performances you will ever see in a big moment in a big spot. Watching that game, I had visions of what Deshaun Watson had did to Alabama and more about that in a moment. I had visions of Vince Young dominating. Those were two performances that kind of came to mind when I was watching Justin Fields the other night beat Trevor Lawrence and beat Clemson. 385 yards, six touchdowns, taking that hit, playing probably injured and gutting it out. Those are the type of things that rally teams. Those are the type of things that NFL general managers, coaches, owners take note of. That's the kind of guy you want representing your franchise. I've said it here all year at Saturday to Sunday. And I know if Matt was on with me tonight, he'd be right here agreeing with me. Because Matt's one of the few people. One of the few people. He's never wavered. Justin Fields ahead of Trevor Lawrence for Matt. Loves Trevor Lawrence. Thinks he's an elite player. Since day one, he is always since they were at the Elite 11, the high school All-Star Games, and ever since, even when we had to wait out Justin Fields to get out of Georgia and get an opportunity to play, Matt's never wavered. He's always said, I like him slightly more than Trevor Lawrence. I've never was there. I'm still not there. He's got more development and growth than Trevor Lawrence does. But I'll say this, as I've said all year, I think it's ridiculous that there's a conversation for QB2. Justin Fields is closer to Trevor Lawrence than anybody is to Justin Fields. Maybe the NFL sees it differently. Maybe they really do like Zach Wilson that much. A team takes Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. I think it's going to be a mistake. I think think in a few years down the line, we'll look at it the same way of the Bears passing on Deshaun Watson, the Bears passing on Patrick Mahomes and falling in love with Mitchell Trubisky. And this is not to say Zach Wilson is going to be Mitchell Trubisky. It's not. We did a whole deep dive last week. I said, I think Zach Wilson impressed me more than I thought when I rewatched him. I think he deserves a top 10 pick. I don't think he deserves to be number two. I think he reminds me of Tony Romo. That's a major compliment. If anybody doesn't think that's a major compliment, you don't know Tony Romo's game enough. But... The team takes Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. I think they're making a mistake. Don't underestimate what that performance the other night can do for Justin Fields, for his career, and momentum carrying into the pre-draft process and then the NFL. 
That's a defining moment for that young man. Defining. He's the type of guy that you want as the leader of your franchise. Jets fans were bummed out when they lost the chance, they thought, to take Trevor Lawrence with the first pick. Let's not even say it's official because if Urban Meyer gets the job at, in Jacksonville, are we so sure that the pick's going to be Trevor Lawrence? With Urban Meyer's connections to Ohio State? Are we sure? So who knows? The Jets still might get Trevor Lawrence if that's who they really want. But even if they don't get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields is as good as a consolation prize as maybe there ever has been in terms of losing out on maybe the quarterback prospect you wanted. Jets fans should be ecstatic if they get the opportunity to draft Justin Fields. And, you know, they're picking two. Him or Lawrence have to be there. One of them has to be there. Jets fans can't blow this. The Jets organization can't blow this. They can't take Zach Wilson ahead of Justin Fields. They just can't do it. It would be a colossal mistake. They can't keep Sam Darnold and lose out on Justin Fields. Special player, special prospect, still developing. Every team in the league would love to have Lamar Jackson, almost. Justin Fields is better than Lamar Jackson. He's leaps and bounds a better thrower than where Lamar Jackson was when he came into the league. It's not even close. And if we take that into what we're going to see in the national championship game, during the Nick Saban era at Alabama, what has given them the most fits over the years is athletic mobile quarterbacks that can make plays off structure, handle pressure, pick up yards with their legs, and make big plays when things break down around them. Way back when, Johnny Menzel gave Alabama fits. And nobody, and I mean nobody, has played better against Alabama than Deshaun Watson did in those two national title games. They were the two games that made me say, I don't care about Deshaun Watson's miles per hour and his how he throws, this, that, whatever else people wanted to nitpick about Deshaun Watson. All you had to do was watch those two games. If you didn't do anything else, but you watched Deshaun Watson versus Alabama in those two national title games. And to be honest with you, nothing else mattered. He showed all he needed to show in those two games. He solved NFL problems. He made tight window throws. He used his legs to pick up yards. He threw on the run. He bought time in the pocket. He did it all. I think Alabama wins the game. I do. But I think Justin Fields is going to give Alabama some fits. I think this game is going to be closer than people might think. Alabama's going to have to win this game with their offense. 
and they probably can. But Justin Fields is the type of quarterback that can really wreak havoc on Nick Saban's defense. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to kind of see this game. Some other thoughts on the Ohio State team. Obviously, Trey Sermon, 193 yards, one touchdown. I mean, four catches, 61 yards. I mean, this guy, I talked about the UNC running backs last week. I think they've now entered the mix into the top five of the running back class with obviously Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. I think Trey Sermon has catapulted himself into that discussion now, into the top five. Kent Gainwell kind of out of sight, out of mind. Chuba Hubbard, not a really good year. Some questions about him. I think the UNC guys and Trey Sermon have now put themselves in the mix as the next tier after Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. I think it's the UNC, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, Trey Sermon. And then you start talking about, again, Chuba Hubbard, Kent Gainwell, some of the other guys. Sermon's got quick feet, power, strength, physicality, toughness, finishing ability. I liked him in Oklahoma two years ago. When people didn't really know if there was much of a difference between him and Kennedy Brooks, I thought there was a major difference. Kennedy Brooks is a plotter. He is a in-between-the-tackles guy. Trey, Derm- Trey Sermon lives there too, but he's got more juice. He's got more burst and acceleration. He's got more power. He's got quick feet for a big guy. I mean, he's not going to be a juke, stop, cut kind of guy. But I think he can be very much a part of a committee at the NFL level, be a guy that handles a heavy workload, be a guy that can be an integral part of an offense. So Trey Sermon, I think, has now put himself into the day two mix. Think about where guys like Zach Moss went. I think he's probably a third-round pick now. I think that's where we might see him and Javante Williams have a legitimate shot to go off the board. Some other thoughts. Chris Olave, six catches, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. Talked about him. One of the best route runners in this class. After you get past the top guys, you know, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Chris Olave might be the the next best route runner in this draft class. He's a plug-and-play impact player taken on day two. We saw guys like Terry McLaurin come in, impact, two years ago. This past year, T. Higgins, impact. We've seen Debo Samuel in a, in a special, specialized role as rookie year, impact. LaVisca Chenault, impact. Chris Olave is pro-ready. He's going to come in. He's going to run good routes. He's got inside-outside versatility. He's going to make a difference and become a starter very quickly in the NFL. Really intrigued by Chris Olave and what he can bring to an NFL offense. On the Clemson side, it is what it is, man. Trevor Lawrence, 400 yards, two touchdowns, but he was under duress the whole game. Ohio State did a great job against him. You know, look at the stats, put the stats to the side. You know, Lawrence couldn't make plays in this game. I don't think it changes the fact that he's a great prospect. Still think he should go number one in the draft. But leaves college without winning another national title, doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. Travis Etienne bottled up in this game, man. 10 carries, 32 yards, and a touchdown. Did it? Did have four catches for 64 yards. The one thing I'll say about Etienne, by going back to school this year, which I still don't think he should have, is he showed a little bit more in the pass game. 
Never going to be a guy that runs a lot of routes, but he showed enough that he could be a check down option, screen option, stuff like that. That's that's all he needed to do. He needed to check that box. He checked that box this year. Uh, again, top 40 pick, I think, is in the future for Travis Etienne. Won't say guaranteed round one, because, you know, sometimes you don't go round one. I mean, look at last year. All the, all the great running backs, besides Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, fell to round two. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. But I don't think he'll be more – he'll be gone within the first eight to ten picks, I think, in round two, if he does fall out of round one. Some other thoughts on – other things that happened in the bowl game, as Matt and I were recording last week, uh, the Florida versus Oklahoma game was going on, the Cotton Bowl. Kyle Trash struggled, 158 yards, three interceptions. Not a good way for him to end his collegiate career. I think he's a day two prospect. I think him and Mac Jones are very similar prospects. I think they both deserve to go day two because, like I said before, they're pocket-passing quarterbacks. They're not going to make plays when things break down. It's just that simple. The guy that gets me most excited from this game is Spencer Rattler, the quarterback at Oklahoma. He'll be a guy we're talking about a lot next year. 247 yards, three touchdowns. 40 yards rushing and a touchdown. He's the wave. He's the wave of the what NFL teams are looking for. Movement. Pocket movement. Make plays... Out of off structure, throw on the move, throw on the run, be accurate. Spencer Rattler is a guy we're going to talk about a lot next year. Okay, so recapped the Heisman, talked about Devonta Smith, talked about Justin Fields, talked about the national championship game. Let's close out tonight with the NFL Rookie Report for Week 17. Let's start the quarterback position. Got to be honest with you. I've been trying to hold off judgment on Tua and say he needs more time, he needs this. I watched most of that game the other day, Buffalo-Miami. I don't care. The stats said 361 at the end of the game. He was terrible. Three interceptions, playing against some backups for Buffalo. Poor decision-making. Poor passes. I think there is a legitimate concern that the guy that we saw be an elite player at Alabama might not translate. Still think he might be a good quarterback. But he has shown nothing in the limited action this year that makes me think he's the next Russell Wilson. He looks a little slow-footed when he's moving around the pocket. I knew he was never a runner. And he's had some rushing touchdowns and some stuff this year. But everything looks slow with him. It looks like he goes through progression slow. It looks like he his decision-making is slow. His mental processing looks slow. His moving around looks slow, deliberate. His motion, his release, everything looks slow. It looks like a struggle out there. The Dolphins have the third pick in the draft thanks to the Texans and the Laramie Tunsil trade. They came out today and said two was their quarterback next year. Supporting their guy. 
gotta be honest. The Jets do something silly and take Zach Wilson or decide to roll with Sam Darnold back. Dolphins shouldn't close the door on a Justin Fields. I won't take Zach Wilson over him. I won't take Zach Wilson and not give Tua a full year. He might take Justin Fields, though. See what I can get from Tua in a trade. Maybe recoup a late first or a second round pick for a team that believes. It wouldn't be so... Miami's going to be set up. Good coach, some good young players, cap space. I wouldn't be so willing to lock into him and think that you can't upgrade. The other major quarterback story from the rookies was Jalen Hurts. As a Giants fan, I watched that game intently the other night, hoping for the Eagles to upset the Redskins and the Giants to backdoor in the playoffs with their six wins. Jalen Hurts was only 7 of 20 passing, 72 yards, interception, but he showed you playmaking ability with his legs like we knew he had. 34 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Then the embarrassment happened. The lack of integrity, the disgrace to the NFL, to the shield. By them pulling him. But rather than go off on a tirade about that, if we just keep this on the football field, Jalen Hurts is going to be starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles next year. Carson Wentz is going to be gone. Jalen Hurts is the guy you should be aggressively buying in dynasty leagues now. And he's a guy who should be ranked higher than Tua. The rushing ability, the playmaking ability. I said it repeatedly, this show. And the wave of the future, the modern day NFL quarterback, is much more a guy that looks like Jalen Hurts than a guy that looks like Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Maybe even Tua. Tua's got a little bit more mobility than Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. I don't think it's leaps and bounds. Tua's going to pick up some yards here or there rushing. He's going to mostly play from the pocket. He's got to be able to show that he can throw on the run and make plays. And he's leaps and bounds a better player than Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. But I think more and more NFL teams are going to want playmakers like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, what we're going to see from Justin Fields and Trey Lance, and even Trevor Lawrence has that ability to, to make plays with his legs. Obviously, you want the perfect package, right? You want the guy who can do everything with his legs and his arm. Those are hard to come by, right? Those are hard to come by. But if you can't come by the guy that has Bolt, I think they're going to be okay riding with guys who are maybe average passers but have that playmaking ability, have that leadership ability, a.k.a. Jalen Hurts. So it's interesting. I think going into this offseason, I would probably rank it Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts in terms of the pecking order. I think you could flip-flop Joe Burrow and Jalen and Justin Herbert. Burrow's coming off an injury. Herbert's in a better situation, slightly. 
So I think it's interesting. If we take this to the running backs, not a lot to really talk about from week 17 besides Jonathan Taylor. In terms of the rookies, 253 yards, two touchdowns. This was the performance we had been waiting for. Everything lined up this week. A Jaguars team that had basically given up last week of the season. Colts needed the game for the playoffs. Everything lined up. But Jonathan Taylor delivered. This is what we all envisioned when the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor. Elite offensive line. Jonathan Taylor looking like a superstar out there. We know he was a combine freak for his size. We know, but all year, early on, he was kind of bottled up. Didn't look as good. Down the stretch, he looked great. Going into the offseason, it's probably a top 12 to 15 pick now in redraft leagues next year. It's hard to rank these rookies for next year in terms of who I would want in Dynasty. Maybe the easy answer is Jonathan Taylor, especially how he finished the year. Still think there's going to be some touchdown dependence. Still think there's going to be always a sidekick who's more of a receiving guy. But I'm okay if you want to say he's the one. Because it's not like things are clean for DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, or DeAndre Swift. We don't know who's coming in to coach the Lions. We don't know what their plan for DeAndre Swift will be. Bad football team, too. Upgrades everywhere needed. Cam Akers looked good, especially that game a couple weeks ago on Thursday Night Football, I believe it was. Darrell Henderson's still a good young player. Sean McAvey seems like he really wants to have a committee there. Multiple guys. It's going to probably hinder Cam Maker's upside. J.K. Dobbins, I love him. Talent-wise, him and DeAndre Swift are my two favorites. I think J.K. Dobbins could be a superstar. He'd be the one I'm still trying to buy the most based on the cost. But let's not be unrealistic. What if Gus Edwards is still there? Picking up a lot of yards. What if they bring in another back? And you still have Lamar Jackson stealing touchdowns. So it's not a clean pick of saying J.K. Dobbins over Jonathan Taylor. And then you got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Great offense attached to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure the Chiefs are going to be willing to give him the keys to the kingdom. They throw a lot, rightfully so. Why you can take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand. They look like they're going to be a team that always uses two backs in some way. So right now, off the cuff, haven't even updated the Dynasty Rookie Rankings yet in the Rankings Notebook. I think I'm going to update it and edit it to be Jonathan Taylor 1, J.K. Dobbins 2, DeAndre Swift 3, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 4, Antonio Gibson, five. Possibly even put Antonio Gibson ahead of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Close between those two. And then Cam Akers. 
think that's how it looks in terms of the running backs going to next year. Six running backs, really a jolt of big time young running backs into the NFL. All six of them are guys who I think will be in the top 20, you know, running backs for the next handful of years. Running back lifespan is short. We know that. So I'm not going to sit here and say five years or six years, but in the next three years, I feel pretty confident all six of those guys are in the top 15 to 18 at the minimum in terms of dynasty running backs. Take this to the wide receivers. Justin Jefferson concluded his year uh, with another good performance for the Vikings. Every single week, he just continues to perform. Uh, I don't know what else is more to say about it, but again, Justin uh, Justin Jefferson, nine catches, 133 yards. I mean, this year, 88 receptions, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. Did not see this coming. There were leagues that I passed on him in dynasty drafts. For Jalen Rager, concerns about Justin Jefferson being a slot receiver, Adam Thielen's best in the slot. Jefferson maybe couldn't play outside. He was best at LSU inside. He put that all the rest. He showed up the combine that that wasn't an issue in terms due to athleticism. So for whatever reason, that's where he shined at LSU. But it wasn't because of lack of athleticism. We started out immediately at the combine. And then we've seen it all year this year. Truly a historic rookie season for him. Right up there with the likes of Randall Moss. I mean, Randy Moss and Odell Beckham Jr. T. Higgins suffered an injury. I, I if, if there's been official word on it, I have missed it. It didn't look good. He's a guy, though, based on this injury, maybe take a chance to try to buy him. He's not a guy that was a speed guy. If it was a torn ACL, and again, I, I should know this, but I do not know if it was in anything about uh, exactly what it was. But it looks like it, it looks like it was just a hamstring. Which, if it's just a hamstring, that is much better. Um, totally not an issue then for next year. So that's good. I, I apologize for not knowing that when I first came on. But T. Higgins is a guy. Talked about it last week with Matt. Don't judge every book by its cover. Don't judge every player based on their size, their separation, quickness, their route running. I think they're all Laquan Treadwell or players like that. He was a special player. I'd want him on my dynasty roster. I'd aggressively go get T. Higgins. And we talked a lot. I'm not going to go into all the running, the wide receivers because, man, I really went deep last week talking about all the guys, all the, 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 the dynasty buys there based on guys you know, who maybe underperformed this year, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, Brian Edwards, and others. Go buy them all. Still believe in all their talents. Tight end position, Cole Komet's really the only one that got an opportunity. Yeah. I think he could be a low tight end one. Not a guy I'm not excited about. Like to see Devin Asiasi next year get a chance. The guy I'd most be intrigued to put on my team is Adam Troutman. He'd be the one that I'd be excited to maybe have in the future. We'll get a little bit of jolt this rookie class coming up with Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan. So there'll be a little bit of a surge, hopefully young influx of tight end talent to make that position a little bit better at the NFL level in terms of your fantasy game. So guys, there it is. 
Another NFL draft report, NFL rookie report, kind of tied in there, previewing the national championship, talking about the Heisman, Devonta Smith, Justin Fields. If you enjoy what we're doing, please get over to the website, ssfootball.com, rate, review, and subscribe. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, we would love it if you checked out the premium notebooks. You can get to the link right off of the website. For $9.99, you get access. To all our premium notebooks, you get the Scouty Notebook. It has 90 player fully written up, more to come, updates to come, strengths, weaknesses. I should say strengths, functional areas, developmental areas, slash concerns. We got rid of weaknesses and we changed it to developmental areas and concerns. Weaknesses is too broad of a topic. Sometimes you don't know if it's a weakness. It might just be a developmental area or it might be something just concerning because we haven't seen it. doesn't necessarily mean it's a weakness. How they win, NFL draft projection, NFL role, NFL draft projection, fantasy spin for every player. You get the NFL, you get the rankings notebook. It has my draft eligible rankings, my Devi rankings, my dynasty rookie rankings, It'll have our tiered rankings. It'll have our new Dynasty Rookie rankings. Updated every week or two. Color-coded by position. Overall big boards. You can make a copy of it when you buy it in terms of the Google document that it comes in. So then you have all the names written out. You can move them around, rank them yourself for your own rankings. And then you get the NFL Draft Projections Notebook in April. Tabs on every player, offense and defense. A synopsis on how they win. Some concerning or developmental areas. Their combine measurements, their combine testing numbers. Put in order of everything I am hearing from the best in the business. Think the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShay, the Daniel Jeremiah's, the Lanzer lines, the Dame Brulers, et cetera, et cetera. Ears to the ground. Every spot I can listen to, read, hear from beat writers, national reporters to try to get a feel for where guys can be taken. I rank them in that order. We've had tremendous success doing this. It's not how I would draft them. It's not how I would rank them. All that stuff's in other places in our notebooks. It's how we expect them to go. A tab for my projecting the first round. The first 32 players taken, projecting top 100 players or whatever the first three rounds are, somewhere between that 100 and 106 usually, and then my projection for every single player taken in the draft. Every year we've done the draft projections notebook, we have accurately predicted somewhere between 200 and 215 names that would get taken. That's a really strong hit rate, guys. Every year, I find it harder and harder, but we grind to try to bring it to you so you have an idea of who you should need to know and have it as a compliment on draft weekend so you can quickly look these guys up in our notebook, get a quick synopsis on who they are, okay? So you get all of it for $9.99. It's the best way to support us, guys. All that money that we make goes right back into everything that we need to continue to bring this to you each and every single week. If you have never bought the notebooks, we strongly, strongly ask that you consider purchasing them. We don't want to ever go behind the paywall. 
We don't want to create a Patreon just asking. We want to give you something, and we feel like we give you a lot for $9.99. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast, if you could help us out, it would really, really help us in the long run to continue to do what we're doing each and every single week, each and every single year here at Saturday Sunday. If you've purchased it in the past, we hope that you strongly consider purchasing it again. So, on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and I look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.